Hey friends, Grant Bolden here, host of the Speak Aloud podcast. You are listening to the Relationships and Revenue podcast with John Hewlin. Life is all about relationships and great leaders heavily invest in those relationships. On the Relationships and Revenue podcast, we talk about how to improve our most significant relationships at home so we can be better in our business relationships. We talk with experts from all over the world, representing many disciplines about the best tips and strategies to become amazing people and amazing leaders. Welcome to the show. Welcome back, everyone, to the Relationships and Revenue Podcast. This is your host, John Hewlin. As always, thrilled to have each and every one of you with me today. And as you heard from that wonderful introduction, I have the one and only Grant Baldwin with me today. Grant, how are you today? Doing quite well, John. We were just discussing the frigid Arctic temperatures that we are both sitting in, but uh, we will endure today. That's right. That's right. And in case you're wondering, folks, we're talking about smack dab right in the middle of the United States. I happen to be in the Kansas City metro area. Grant happens to be in the Nashville metro area. So if you're traveling, bypass us completely, at least right now. <laughs> and when we're true. recording this, this is like, actually, it's MLK Junior Day is when we're recording. Mm -hmm. So it's true. Gives you guys an idea of when we're recording. And of course, if you know anything about the weather in the United States this time of year, well, it's a little colder than normal. It's still supposed to be pretty cold in the middle of January. So you can blame Grant, blame me. We're living in cities where it's going to be cold. So if we don't want to be cold, we shouldn't live here. Right, Grant? This is true. This is true. We only have ourselves <laughs> to blame. That's right. That's right. Well, as you guys heard, Grant mentioned that he is the host of a podcast called The Speaker Lab. Well, there's so much more to Grant than that. Now, I know I won't do the best job of letting you know everything he does, but that's why we're here. We're going to get into that because I think he's somebody you guys need to get to know. So Grant is a speaker. That's kind of an understatement, and we'll get into more of that in just a minute. He's author of the fantastic book. And for those of you who can see this, I'm holding it up right now called The Successful Speaker. And the subtitle is Five Steps for Booking Gigs, Getting Paid, and Building Your Platform. It's a fantastic book, by the way. Highly recommend it. And we'll have a link in the show notes for you guys to be able to get a copy of that book as well. In addition to that, he's an entrepreneur and he has two other titles I suspect he holds most dear, and those are husband and dad. That is me. And you got the last part uh, uh, most importantly correct. Uh, yeah, so I'm married to my high school sweetheart. Uh, we've been together uh, almost 27 years, been married uh, almost 22 got three beautiful nice. daughters so it's it's me and a house full of women uh it is the absolute best oh yeah that's a whole lot of estrogen pumping too my friend whole lot yep. there's uh <laughs> there's big highs and big lows oh yeah now how old are your girls uh they are 17 15 and 13 so we're, oh, we're in the thick of it holy cow you sure are man wow uh mm, god bless you and i mean that in so many different ways this it's uh you know I when you when you talk to people uh you know who have teenagers who have lived through teenagers uh <laughs> you know you hear the horror stories and yeah they're you know they're not perfect by any means they have their moments but for the most part like awesome kids and you know I love being entrepreneur I love being a speaker a podcaster all the things I'm sure we'll get into but yes like you said by far my most important roles are being a good husband being a good father because you know if I'm if I'm great as an entrepreneur if I you know help a lot of other people but I drop the ball in my roles and responsibilities here at home like what's the point? Like I've really, really screwed it up. And so, uh, yeah, uh, the work that I do on a professional sense, like really, really matters to me, but, uh, none of it matters if, uh, if I'm not a good husband or not a good father. Mm. Well, okay, folks, I guess we can just end it now. Cause he just kind of summed it all up for us. 
It's interesting that you say that, Grant, because that is the one thing you just mentioned there is one of the main reasons why I even started this podcast. That very thing. It's the th one of the things that cost me my marriage. Mm. And I believe that most divorces shouldn't happen. Mm. And I believe that's because a lot of men out there, let me back up a little bit. And for those of you who heard this before, you can just kind of go along with it. I believe that God puts inside of each man, it's within our DNA to pursue. We know how to do that. The trouble comes once we get her, i.e. the wedding day. There's like a switch back here in the back of our heads that gets turned off and we stop pursuing. But no one tells us we need to continue to do that. No one teaches us we need to continue to pursue. Mm. And I believe that's why so many men dive headlong into careers and or hobbies. Mm -hmm. Because there's never an end to those. Now, if this happens to be your hobby, I apologize. It's not meant to offend in any way. But this is the one I pick on all the time because it's the easiest for me to think of because I have a lot of friends who are into it. And that's golf. Mm -hmm. Because with golf, there's always a new club, a new shoe, a new place to play. There's always something new with that. And what I try to do with men is I try to teach them. It's like, all right, let's take the energy that you're focusing there. Let's take it out of there and put it where it actually belongs. And that is within your marriage. So I digress. I could go much deeper into that, but that's maybe that's for another time. Maybe well, an off-air I mean, discussion. It's not necessarily <laughs> even that they're mutually exclusive. I think the reality is, is like good, healthy relationships have hobbies. Um, but if all of a sudden your hobby yes. becomes this all-encompassing, all-consuming thing that you're spending all your waking energy and effort thinking about, and to your words, John, like thinking about your 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 energy of of pursuit uh, is just spent over there versus your relationship with your your spouse or your children, then yeah, at that point it's 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 crossed over into something that becomes perhaps unhealthy. And so yeah, you you. You have to have a, you know, a balance of both. Agreed. Agreed. So uh, hopefully, folks, I hope you didn't hear me say you shouldn't have hobbies. That is not what I mean. But let's just say I've been a man long enough to know that many of us, when we get into something, we're all in. Sure. To whatever the thing is. Uh, you know, many times, I, one of the reasons I think it's so difficult for men to do, uh, I guess the term is multitasking, because I don't think our brains work that way. I think whatever it is we're doing, we're into that thing in that moment. And then when we need to move on to the next thing, we stop that and we move on to the next one. And I think that's part of it. I don't think that's all of it, but I think it's part of it. Yeah, certainly it can be a, a factor there. All right, Grant, do us a favor. Take us back a little bit because you didn't become this guy who was in a high demand speaker overnight. So... Help us understand kind of where you came from and what led you up to where you are today. Yeah, so uh, if we go way back, and, and when I was in high school, I was really involved in my local church, and my youth pastor had a big impact in my life. Uh, and I was like, I want to do that. Like, that seems like a really rewarding, fulfilling type of, of career and profession. I kind of felt like if, if I could make the kind of impact and difference in others' lives that he had made in my own life, like, that seemed awesome. And so that was kind of the track I was on. So I went to Bible college. Um, even in college, I worked for a guy who was a full-time speaker and got to help hmm. a little behind the scenes with his business and kind of got to see a little bit of what that was like. And then as a youth pastor, um, I became a youth pastor. I did that for um, a couple of years or so. And there, there were parts of my like, parts of I didn't like, but one thing I really enjoyed was speaking. And speaking was one of those things I felt like I, I was good at, I enjoyed doing, felt like I, I wanted to do more of, but um, I had a lot of the same questions that maybe some of the listeners or viewers have of things like, you know, how do you find gigs and how much do you charge and who hires speakers? What do you speak about? Like, how does this mysterious world work? 
And mm -hmm. so I decided that I wanted to pursue a career as, as a speaker, but just didn't really know what to do. And so um, at the time, this was 18, 19 years ago, I found myself emailing other speakers, stalking other speakers, harassing other speakers, like, can I pick <laughs> your brain type stuff? Learned a couple of things, started booking some gigs. And over the next several years, learned more things and more things and kind of started to figure out kind of how this world worked. Um, I got to a point where I was doing about 60, 70 paid gigs a year. And then um, probably eight, nine years ago, I had a lot of people who were asking me like, hey, I want to be a speaker. How do I do that? And so I started mm -hmm. doing some teaching uh, course around that. Uh, and that's really evolved into what we do today. So I run a training company called The Speaker Lab, which is a uh, coaching and training company teaching primarily the business of speaking. Like, how do you find and book mm -hmm. gigs? And how do you know how much to charge? And what do you speak about? And who hires speakers? And uh, there are people who may be watching and listening who say, hey, I'd love to be a full-time speaker. I'd love to do 50, 70, 100 gigs a year. And some people who may say, hey, I'd love, I'd love to do five or 10 and kind of a supplement or in addition to everything mm -hmm. else that I've got going, you know, uh, personally or professionally. And so, um, yeah, it's been a good chunk of my career in the, the speaking world. And it's one I'm, I'm really, really passionate about. Well, that's not hard to tell. Not just through our interview now, but for those of you, and I'll, I'll put some links in the show notes where you can check out some of the talks that Grant has done. And it's very easy to see why he's so in demand, both as a speaker, as well as uh, I'll call you a coach, because that's really what you do with a lot of folks like me is you coach people like us on the business side of speaking. Now, you also talk about the actual, the practice of speaking itself. But uh, I was thinking more on the long the business side. So let, let's go back a little bit. I, I, I want to know one of the things we talk a lot about on this podcast are transitions, because all of us go through transitions in life. Mm -hmm. um, that's one of the reasons why I have some of the guests on that I do, like former professional athletes, uh, former Olympians, that sort of thing, because transitions for a lot of those folks can be really, really difficult, especially when their lives are so regimented at first. Yeah. And then they retire and it's not that way at all. And that's why some of them struggle so much. Now, I'm not leading you to say that you struggled in your transition, but I'm curious, what was your transition like from ministry into speaking? Yeah, it was incredibly difficult um, for a variety of different reasons. So so like I mentioned, I was a youth pastor uh, for a couple of years at a church that um, there's probably a thousand people or so. It was a decent sized church. and the the guy that I worked for wasn't the best boss, uh, and mm. so it was just not the the healthiest of, of work cultures. And I knew, like you know, not every environment and situation is going to be like that. But I also had enough friends uh, that I was kind of comparing notes with to find out, like, oh, you you guys are all kind of feeling similar. And so, mm. um, and so it kind of I felt like I was having this quarter life crisis. Um, I kind of couple that with my wife was pregnant with our our first child, and um, there, there's nothing like bringing a kid into the world that just causes you to question everything and figure out, you know, what, <laughs> yeah. you know, what am I doing with my life and what do I want to be when I grow up? And so um, when I resigned that position for about the next six to uh, nine to 12 months or so, uh, our, our oldest daughter had just been born. She's getting ready to turn 18. Um, and it was just a, a very challenging, I still look back on this day as like as one of the, the best and worst seasons of life of mm. just uh, going like, what? what do I want to do? You know, I went to college to do this career. I thought this is what I want to do. This is what people assumed that I was going to do. I did it for a hot minute and then decided maybe I don't want to do it. You know, is that all a waste of time? You know, all these people who are well-meaning, well-intentioned, like, hey man, you just, you know, quit your job and what are you doing now? And your wife just gave birth to your child and have you thought this through and you don't have any savings and like all these things you're like, 
yeah, those are all valid points, uh, you know, now that I think about it. But that time also forced me to really think about like, okay, what do I really want to do? What is it that I, I feel like I'm drawn to that I feel like I'm good at? And the, the thing I kept coming back to was speaking. And so mm. I felt the way that, you know, again, maybe some of the viewers, listeners have felt where I felt like I had the potential, but I needed the plan. I had the potential, but I needed the plan. Meaning I, I knew I wasn't the best speaker. I knew I wasn't the worst speaker, but I knew there was something there. I wanted to pursue this thing. For me, it happened to be speaking. For you, it could be, you know, writing. It could be uh, uh, some type of, of art or craft or business or something that you're like, I want to pursue this thing, but I don't know if if I have what it takes. Am I good enough to do this thing? Can I? Could I pull this off? Can I make a career out of this thing? I have, you know, a family to support and I have, you know, um, dependents and obligations and things to, you know, to think about big boy responsibilities. And so it was definitely like a really, really challenging, difficult season and transition. But again, I, I look back on and go on, man, I'm really, really grateful for that season of life and what it led me into. Sure. I could see that completely. So when you were in this early stage and you were trying to figure these things out, how did you go about getting your first gig? So, um, you know, I think that, that a mistake that a lot of times speakers make is kind of this approach of um, we say we want to be a speaker and maybe we post something on social media and then we just we kind of just sit back and wait, you know, and we just kind of mm. throw something out there into the ether. And if I close my eyes really tight and I click my heels together uh, and then I, I just kind of wish upon a star, all of a sudden it's going to happen. And it just doesn't work like that. So the simplest thing that you can do is, first of all, get really, really clear on, on who you speak to, what you speak about. Then look for events that would fit that, that, that you're providing a solution to the problem that they have. And so for me, having been a, a former youth pastor, I knew I wanted to speak to students. I enjoyed speaking to students, high school, college students. And so that was kind of a natural bit and a natural tran um, transition for me. And so I found myself kind of spending some time on Google looking for events that were a potential fit. And so I found you know a variety of different events. But one I, I happened to find was a uh, an event i lived in missouri at the time but this was a missouri 4-h event and 4-h mm. is like a uh, a student club for agricultural rule type of of schools and, and students and so mm. i didn't know squat about cows or corn or anything like that but i i thought hey these you know they have a a leadership type of, of conference and event i think mm. it could be a good fit for so they hired me to come in i spoke i spoke for about 30 45 minutes to a group of about 300 students or so um, and it went really, really well. I spent a ton of time working on it and preparing. And the um, afterwards, I got finished. The event planner hands me a check. And uh, I go to my car. Uh, I open it up. It was a check for $1,000. And I knew that's how much it was, it was going to be. It was something we had contracted for and agreed upon. Um, but still, at, at that season of life, handing me a check for $1,000, I mean, I felt like, wow, this, this is literally all the money in the world. And he just handed it to me. <laughs> a check. And yeah. It was such a boost of confidence. I feel like, dang, I can, I can do this. And this is a thing that I want to I want to pursue, and so yeah, that, that kick started a um, just a big boost of confidence and a big boost of momentum of going like, okay, I know what the process is, and uh, you know, I think building a career as a speaker is no different than a lot of hard things in life. It is simple, but it's not easy. It's simple, but it's not mm. easy. So yeah. you know, you mentioned we're recording this at the beginning of a new year, where a lot of times people are making New Year's goals and resolutions, and so if your goal or resolution was to get in shape then like, I'm no health expert, but I know you need to pay attention to what you eat and you need to move your body, lift heavy things, exercise, right? It's simple, but it's not easy. And so right. the same thing is true for, for being a speaker, reaching out to events, following up with events, like being very um, intentional about those things is simple, but it's not easy. But ultimately, those are the things that, that drive results. Gotcha. Now, 
in your, again, in these early days, in your pursuit of finding these locations, once you figure out kind of, first of all, what your message is. Sure. And then you begin to find these, these places that are out there. How did you go about, I'm getting to a reason why. How did you go about getting them to agree? It's like, hey, yes, you're a good fit for us. How, how did you get that part figured out? Yeah, well, um, kind of even going back to like what you speak about, you know, there, there really is an overlap between what you're interested in, what you're passionate about, what you want to speak about. What is it that organizations and groups actually hire speakers to talk about? Because okay. just because you're passionate about a topic doesn't necessarily mean it resonates or fits with an, an audience. Okay, so let me give an example. When I started speaking, I'd been speaking for a couple of years and my wife and I at the time, we were, again, we'd been married a few years, but we really started paying attention to our finances and mm. thinking, hey, let's really, um, you know, if we do these things that uh, are the practical things, uh, uh, live on less than we make and save money and pay off debt and budget and yada, yada, yada. Like, apparently those things actually work. And so it's like, man, if I could, with all the speaking I'm doing to students, if we could teach students about this, that would mm. be really, really impactful. And so I started reaching out to schools and, and some of the organizations that I'd worked with about speaking to their students about personal finance and money. Mm. Now, if you were to ask, you know, a hundred high school principals, hey, do you think that teaching students about money is important? 100% of them would say, absolutely, of course that is. But it was not something that they were used to hiring speakers to come in and talk about. And so and all of them would say it was important, but none of them were hiring speakers to talk about it. So mm. what I ended up doing in that case was... I found one of the things that a, a lot of schools hire speakers to talk about was helping students make a transition from high school into college in the real world, kind of making that, okay. that smooth transition. So mm -hmm. I was like, cool, I can talk about that. And within that, let's talk about money. Mm -hmm. And so it wasn't like this bait and switch of going like, hey, you hired me to talk about X, but actually I'm going to come in and talk about Y, you know, like, don't do that. <laughs> but saying, okay, yeah. you, you, are, you want me to speak about helping make a, a transition from high school into college and help students prepare, you know, for the real world. And one of those things you got to be aware of is money. And so within that, we, we talked about money. But again, it was kind of putting it in the context of what they were interested in, what they were looking for. So that's one thing that is important to remember here is to find, again, what that overlap is between what organizations and groups hire speakers to talk about and what it is that you want to actually speak about. Now, let's say then that you find some type of an event that is a, a good fit. So at that point, whenever you're reaching out to them, one of the important things is you uh, ideally want to get on the phone with them as soon as possible. Because when you're talking through events, what they're looking for, how you can best help, it's really, really hard to do that over email or through some other form of communication. Remember, at the end of the day, this is no different than any other business in that people do business with people they know, like, and trust. People do business with people they know, like, and trust. And so I know that as one human, I can connect with someone way better over the phone uh, or in person or over Zoom than I could over email or some form of text communication. Uh, and so getting someone on the phone is always going to be the priority. And whenever it comes to that, I think sometimes we, we feel like intimidated, like, well, what if they say no? Or, you know, what if they don't like me? Or I'm not really good as a salesperson or anything like that. No, no, you're providing a solution to a problem they already have. If they are hosting an event and they're planning on hiring a speaker, you're not trying to convince them to hire a speaker. They're already planning on hiring a speaker. Right. You're just saying, hey, I'm, I'm providing something that you're already looking for. So here's an example. You mentioned we're recording this mid-January, mm -hmm. and we were talking just a second ago how it is uh, a dump snow where you're at in Kansas City uh, mm -hmm. a couple of days ago, and it is dumping snow right now. And so if someone came to me, came to my front door right now and said, hey, I noticed there's a bunch of snow in your driveway, and for you know, 20, 30, 40 bucks, I can make that snow disappear and shovel your driveway for you. 
the, them coming to me and saying, hey, would you, you have this problem? Would you like me to make this problem go away? They're not trying to convince me that I have a problem. It's already there. It's right there in my driveway right now. <laughs> right. They came to me in July and they say, hey, would you like us to shovel your driveway? I'm looking out there going like, "There's what are you going to shovel? There's nothing there. You're trying to provide a solution to a problem I don't have. And mm-hmm. so as a speaker, when you're providing a solution to a problem that they already have, then you're, you're a long percentage of the way already there. The, the big mistake I think at this point, though, that speakers make is we just kind of say like, hey, if you're ever looking for a speaker, whenever you think about hiring a speaker for your event, I hope you think of me. And we just kind of leave it at that, right? Mm. Um, but ultimately, like, don't do that. Like, figure out what their next step is. So is there, rarely, if ever, you're going to talk to someone and they're going to be like, yeah, I'm, I'm the decision maker and I'm ready to make a decision right now. Like, they got to do some homework and maybe talk to a board, talk to a committee, talk to their boss. You know, they're mm-hmm. talking to some other speakers, perhaps. And so you're starting a conversation. You're not trying to close some deal right now. You're making it, you're, you're going on a first date. Um, yeah. But at that point, then again, you want to figure out like, what's their next step? So what happens from now? Well, you know, we meet with our board in two weeks. Awesome. Is it okay if I follow up with you after that board meeting? And by getting permission to do that, you're doing a couple of things. One is you're kind of setting the standard of like, hey, this is what it's like to work with me. Because part of what they're hiring you for is what you deliver on stage. And part of what they're hiring you for is how you are to work with off stage. So if you're amazing on stage, but you're a pain in the butt to work with, and by pain in the butt, I don't mean like this diva or prima donna. I just mean like you make their life easy is what the goal is trying to be, right? Oh. As an event planner, they've got a lot of things going on. So the more you make their life easy, the more they're going to want to be to work with you. But whenever you are saying, hey, can I follow up with you? And then you do, then if there are two or three or four speakers that they're looking at and you're the one that reaches out and says, hey, uh, we talked a couple of weeks ago. I remember that you had your board meeting last night. I just wanted to touch base and follow up and see how that went. Is there anything else I can answer for you? Or are you ready to move forward with your event? You know, then you're again kind of setting this precedent of this is what it's like to work with you. So again, these are like simple, basic business principles, but they are super, super effective mm-hmm. if you actually do the work. I love how you put that, Grant, because yes, simple, but not easy, you know, and you mentioned something else that I think far too often business owners kind of take for granted, and that is doing business with people we know, like, and trust. Um, I I take it a, a little bit further than that, because I don't know what happens for you, but I can say for me, on multiple fronts, I get solicited every single day. For something. Sure. I, I wish it was just one, but it's way more than that. I get solicited all the time. And, you know, most of the time what I try to do is, is I, I say, pol- I politely say no, but then I explain why. I say something along the lines of, I only do business with people that I know, and we don't know each other. I said, so if your only reason for contacting me is try to sell me something, we're done. I said, but if you're interested in getting to know me, whether you sell me something or not, then we have something to talk about. Sure. Now, how often do you think I actually hear back from that person? Right, not often. Not real often. It does occasionally happen. And the cool thing is it actually became a really cool teaching moment recently. I actually had someone who was pretty young in the podcasting business. Mm-hmm. Uh, young as in hadn't been doing it very long and in chronological age. Somebody just wasn't very old. And had never thought of doing that, had never thought of creating relationships first. Yeah. And so it became this teaching moment. And this young lady came back to me later and said, thank you so much 
for sharing that with me because that's how I'm approaching people now. She told me she got like 10 new clients in a month mm. because she took that approach. That's cool. So that kind of made me feel good. It's like, hey, you know, I did something to help somebody and oh, totally. look, it works for more people than just me. So yep. Yep. exactly. <laughs> so no matter what a person does in life, Grant, I believe in order to be great in that particular thing, you got to work at it. Mm -hmm. It's you can't just be gifted. With that as kind of a backdrop, what are you doing right now to continue to improve or to get better as a speaker? Yeah, I think um, a few things. I'll speak uh, more broadly, just kind of as a as a leader within our organization. One is okay. um, I spend a lot of time around um, uh, coaches, mentors. Um, there's a couple of different coaches that I work with that we pay, you know, considerable money just to talk to them, to pick their brain, to be around them. You know, there's a, a guy, for example, uh, I paid it. I do a lunch with every single month here in Nashville. And we do a lunch for a couple hours. We've been doing this for, I think, three years at this point, every mm. single month without fail. Uh, and just learning from and just being around and, and asking, you know, questions. Um, so that'd be one thing. I think another thing is is um, people who, you know, are ahead of you, but also people who are with you and alongside mm. you. So it's been super, super helpful to uh, have other friends, colleagues, um, peers that I am uh, in masterminds with or comparing notes with or rubbing shoulders with. Because part of you know, part of being a speaker or an entrepreneur, whatever it is that you may do, is you have, you know, highs and lows and, and kind of just big ebbs and flows throughout life. And it can be very lonely. It can be isolating at times. And there's times where you're mm -hmm. like, man, something went well. And I'm, you know, I just, I just want someone to high five right now. And there's times where like something is <laughs> falling apart and you're like, man, I just need to, I just need to brain dump on someone right now. There's a, a mastermind I'm in with um, three other guys, uh, three other entrepreneurs. And we, uh, it's primarily a text thread and we've, been in a group for I think seven years or something text mm. every single day and this morning like one of the guys was just super super frustrated about something going on in life and he was just venting you know and and the mm. text thread and like sometimes you just need that uh just yeah. need to be able to just I just need to like verbally vomit right now and just get this off <laughs> my chest uh so don't take it out of my family or whatever you know right um and so I think uh having people who are ahead of me having people who are with me um have been a couple of things that have been super helpful for me well that's fantastic Thanks for tuning in to part one of my conversation with Grant Baldwin. I hope you were able to get some amazing insights of what it takes to become a great speaker. Now, it may not be your full-time job going forward, but it is something you can add to your repertoire. And Grant did a great job describing how to go about doing that. Be on the lookout for part two because it's coming to you very soon. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll talk to you guys next time. Bye, everybody.